Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Erin Palmer, and I am back for round two with Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hello, I'm here again. August still. <laughs> still here. Yep, yeah, this is part two. The actual episode. <laughs> the actual. This is, yeah, this is the this real is one. The... <laughs> this time we mean it. Yeah, so sorry to play those tricks on you, my lovelies, but we had to. We had to. It was a must. Bamboozled. Bamboozled. <laughs> That is one of my all-time favorite words, I will say. I, I know. Bamboozled. It's just fun to say. Yes. That is a great word. Good choice. All right. Uh, so part two, reintroduce, Mr. Daniel. What are yes. we talking about? So for real this time, uh, <laughs> we are talking about the source material, which is Fifty Shades of Grey, book one of the Fifty Shades trilogy, mm-hmm. written by E.L. James in 2011. Yep, yep, um, yep. And the synopsis is this is like the first half of what's on the back of the book. So oh, okay. uh, keep that in mind. I did not write this. E.L. James probably wrote this. Um, <coughs> womp womp. And it, yeah, it fits the style. Uh, when literature student Anastasia Steele goes to interview young entrepreneur Christian Gray, she encounters a man who is beautiful, brilliant, and intimidating. The unworldly, innocent Anna is startled to realize she wants this man and despite his enigmatic reserve, finds she is desperate to get close to him. Unable to resist Anna's quiet beauty, wit, and independent spirit, Gray admits he wants her too, but on his own terms. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Nothing in that is factually incorrect about the book. I just, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's that. Uh, yep. And then on the flip side, adaptation, also called Fifty Shades of Grey, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, released in 2015, starring Dakota Johnson, Jamie Dornan, Marsha Gay Harden, Jennifer L. Eel? L? Ooh. I actually don't know. L-E? Eel? Ooh. E-H-L-E. Google it, folks. No, that is actually, um, Anastasia's mom. Oh, okay. I am convinced- She looked familiar. I'm convinced that she is secretly the daughter of, um, oh God, Meryl Streep, because she looks. Uh, honestly, I thought it was Meryl Streep when I was watching like it. Like her, I don't I like, know if this is actually Meryl true Streep? or not. I would not be surprised. She looks just secret like Meryl daughter. Streep. Secret daughter of Meryl Streep. True or false, folks? Look it up. I'm I was not actually say, sure. Look at that. More conspiracy theories. More episode con- two. <laughs> We're already starting with another one. <laughs> All right. Or is it we real? Go. We don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, and many, many other actors. There's a lot of actors. I um, I'm still kind of floored that Marsha Gay Harden is in this because I love her. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> I was just saying, why? The paychecks <laughs> to were, be fair, weren't coming in fast enough. Right. To be fair, Jamie Dornan also I really like. Um, I don't recognize him. I don't know what else he's. He is actually in. Irish. So an American accent for him was interesting because he is so adorably Irish and okay, not, okay. his accent so in real life is way better. <laughs> it's funny you say that because when I was watching it and- it's Got a uh, lilt in some words. The first sentence he says, I was watching it with Sam and she was like, is he British? And I was like, I, he's not supposed to be. <laughs> and then like this, the second line he said, she was like, Nah, maybe not. And I was like, okay, but he, the actor, 
is Irish, not British, but you know, yes. for us Americans, close enough. Uh, yeah. the, <laughs> so that actually, I'll have to tell her that because, or I guess she'll find out. She'll find uh, out. She yeah. To this. Uh, she yeah, was not crazy. Is, uh, she was There probably was some weird thing where he said the line yeah. in a certain way. Yep. Yep. Um, he is in a show called The Fall with Gillian Anderson. And okay. oh, he is a serial killer in that. It is incredible. I highly oh, recommend good. that show. Okay. But we're not uh, here to talk about that. No, no, no. That's something else. That's <laughs> an actual good easily, thing. I would much rather that. talk about that. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, obviously, spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to be unraveling all of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then also, you know, for our, our listeners joining in, um, we may or may not be referencing the, you know, the part one episode. So if you haven't seen the book, yeah. re- see, seen the book, seen the, the book. movie, read the book, or didn't listen to the first part, maybe hit pause, go do those things. However, um, if you don't want to read or watch the movies and you just want yeah. to uh, experience it with us, we we did it so you don't have to. That is also acceptable. I 100% <laughs> this is one of the few times where I'm like, just don't. Just don't just, read it. Just, don't watch it. Just listen to us talk about it because it's you listen to the part one, though, because I think that was that's worth that's worth the time. Yes. But, uh, yes. And shorter than both of them by far. So. Combined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully more enjoyable than what we yes. had to do. This is what I do for you, my lovelies. Th- these are the pains that I go through. The sacrifices to help made. you. Yeah. <laughs> the qu- answering the questions you never asked. And then I dragged Daniel in with me. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that this actually was my idea. I, I know. I, I am the one who is to blame for this. You did this to yourself. I was like, would it be funny if you did that? And you're like, it would be funny. You want to be on the podcast with me? And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> I should never have suggested this. The foolish fool. <laughs> all right. All right. Like well, have you have to now. You dug yeah. that grave. Now you must sit in it. Uh, okay. Well, with that aside, obviously, we are back to the age-old question, Mr. Daniel. <sighs> yes. Pro-source or pro-adaptation? <laughs> yes. So this actually is really not that hard for me. Um, oh, good. The, the book is so much better, it, which is crazy for me to, to <laughs> How did think. we get here? <laughs> I know. It's like the movie is so bad that, that the book is actually decent by comparison. So, yeah, 100% the source <laughs> is is better. Like, yeah, it, yeah, the source, pro source. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, a hundred percent with you on that. As as much as it hurts to say, you know, yeah, the yeah. book is better. I'm just gonna leave it at that, and we'll just jump yep. right in. So you already said a synopsis for the book, so we can get that nonsense out of the way. Worst synopsis mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. All right, let's let's unwrap this bad boy. So we're back to our normal format. We're gonna talk about the source first, then. We'll dive into the adaptation and then compare the bad yes. boys. So what were your thoughts on the book? So my, I would say that the book is, I think like the one of the first things when I like started reading it, I feel like one of the first things I texted you was like, I, I sent you a message that was like, this book is word salad. Like, <laughs> and I use, and I remember cause I used those words very specifically 
And then I told you to immediately write it down because you have to tell the rest of the world what your description was. It's perfect. And that is the salad. my my initial <laughs> uh, understanding of this book is that. Uh, yep. So so it's all from the point of view of Anastasia Steele, and it's in first person. Mm-hmm. And it so we get a lot of her inner inner monologue, and so it's it's it flows like dialogue. I, I mean. Mm-hmm except the monologue but it 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 sounds like someone talking uh so a lot of the ways that it flows is very conversational which is nice i did actually not mind that it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like a stiff just explanation of what's i god i was dreading getting to the the sex parts the sexy scenes <laughs> um only because it's like god if this book had been in third person and it had been like just a clinical description of like what no was no. happening no <laughs> i think i probably would have stopped uh yeah. so it was a little bit better to have it be from the point of view of anastasia but the the style of writing was really not my not my cup of tea nope it was there was a lot of words it felt like i it felt like um oh god what i can't remember the exact i really should have just like taken screenshots of like because i was listening to it and then also i had like a pdf of it open and on another screen so i could like needed to like go back and read something i should have taken like screenshots of that pdf for like parts because there were definitely things where it's like she would just use she would use big words that like like she would put she would like she in the actually the the back of the book description you actually mentioned this that the the unworldly innocent anna the beauty wit and independent spirit Mm -hmm. it's all sets of three (laughs) she uses lots of yeah of groupings of adjectives yep before getting to the point yep but in in lots of instances, the adjectives she uses will will be the same. Will be synonyms of each other, right? So she just lists the same thing two to three <laughs> times, and then and then goes on. And it's like yeah. you just pick one of those and then move on, and you're good. Yeah, yeah. And so it really that's and so by word salad, it was like literally like literally just taking things and throwing it into a bowl and then just shaking it up. And then that's what this <laughs> book what reads out. like. Like, <laughs> it was so distracting. I feel like it got better, probably just because I got used to it the longer the book went on. <laughs> you got indoctrinated. Yeah, it was <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. Just I was like, well, I'm already here, so I've already got halfway. I'm in now. <laughs> yeah, the audiobook is like 15 hours long or something. Oh, I- it's a 500-page book. It's absolutely the most, well, not the most miserable, but... There's a lot longer than I had anticipated. <laughs> I didn't know it was 500 pages when I suggested yeah. it, or else I would <laughs> not have suggested it. Um, well, now we know. So you don't yeah. have to, readers and yeah. listeners. <laughs> I mean, about 100 of those pages is either the literal printout of the contract that, that they... Yeah. That, he sends and i think they do it twice don't they show the contract twice in its entirety or like uh once in its entirety and then they go back through sections that she wanted that's right that's right when they're having the the meeting about revising it yeah um yeah yeah so they so that takes up a lot of space because it's formatted like a contract so it's like really just eats through the page amount very quickly that makes me 
feel like when college students are told they can't use double spacing and then basically have like a gigantic footer at the bottom to source all of their like yeah sources or have like a a graph or a chart in the middle of your pages or the entire page is a graph just so that you can have extra buffer for your adding your report adding double spaces (laughs) after after space after uh periods yeah that's kind of what that felt like same thing with like the email exchanges where it's the like the email exchanges the actual oh, full like God. two header from header subject line and then like the sign off like the signature block i mean it was like literally everything that it, it was a legit email format yeah. and, they, Her and they just did pages and pages and pages of their two sentence exchanges but then yeah it was just painful. painful. The book, I the thing is, I had the PDF, and I don't know if the PDF was an exact, uh, if it if it's exactly what the book is late it is formatted to be the same like. Format. I would assume so as well. Mm-hmm. Literally, those there was like it would be like one, maybe two of those emails per page. So yep. every single email is, was practically its own page. Yep. And they would just yeah, a scene. When she's going to the on the airplane, they're texting oh, yeah, she back gets and first forth class. about that. Yeah, and he upgrades her to first class, and they're texting about that. When she's first reading the contract, and they're texting back and forth about that. And it's like, God, the audiobook listening to that poor woman have to read <laughs> all of those over and over and over. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, Pretty it wild. felt like um, I I made a note of this, and obviously. It feels like how in movies, in order to be like a feature, to get like a full release, like a movie has to be like at least 90 minutes long. Right, right. And just so like they have to just put things in in order to <laughs> make a movie 90 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it felt like with these. Like this was a way to get the book to be longer in order yep. for it to look more impressive than whatever because if you like condensed all that down into just like dialogue sections i'd actually be would would be very curious as to how long it actually is yeah if you took out because the only thing that changes really is the subject of the email and then what's in the email and so if you could somehow you you could definitely format that better and you probably could easily remove a hundred pages there's just no way yeah that that those should take up that much space it, I, I yeah. don't understand wh- what the rationale for making it look like actual emails like why i think it literally is word count and and page, page length count. yeah that like, i mean that I, that is the only thing i can think of i just don't get it because also it's like this book was written in what 2011 so texting mm-hmm. was a thing guys like why texting are you not existed just texting yeah. And it's like just text and have it be just like like it's dialogue, but it's in the form of a text because that's yeah. what normal people do. Like put it yeah, put it in why? put it as uh as um italics, you know, like you know, like yes. normal people do. Or like, don't just say I'm on my phone texting and then there's your segue and then just yeah, do it like and then you just all normal dialogue. dialogue. Like there's yeah. so many options that you could have done this, but no, you went the email format route yeah (laughs) yeah it it really lends itself to this idea of that this that this book is just 
I, I don't want to say that E.L. James is, is a bad writer because I don't think I don't think that she is. But like there is just some really weird choices for like, yes, formatting choices, dialogue choices, uh, vocabulary choices. Yeah. I mean, not even getting into the story aspect of, of, the, of this <laughs> we book. We haven't gotten like, there yet. <laughs> the characters and like development, it, it, quote, development. Yeah. There is no, I mean, there is no character development in this book. There's barely any. Let's be real here. And then also, um, I did want to say I, I, I didn't, I didn't look this up, and I wish I had because I'm sure someone has counted this. How many times the word gray is Mm -hmm. is said, either as the color or as you know his name, obviously, because his name is spelled with an e, gray, and then I actually don't know if the when she talks about the color gray, if it's spelled with an A or an E because E.L. James is a British author, so. I would assume I think it's all been E. It's all with an E. So, yeah, it would be hard to differentiate. But he has gray eyes. He has a gray suit. He's got, you know, they're in a gray room. Like, it's like, I know it's supposed to be Fifty Shades of Grey, but I think I'm sure that they say the word gray more than 50 times in this this book, Um, as well as Oh My and Inner Goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Anna, so I just Googled this. Anna says G's okay. 81 Jeez. times. <laughs> says oh my 72 times. 72. <laughs> how many times is she? So I was like, how much did you mention her inner goddess? Because like that I, has got that to be like gr- 50 I know. times. There's a bajillion of them. And then also like mentioning her biting her lip. Yes. Like, there's just like, it's it just keeps the same exact phrases. Yeah. Keep coming up over and over yeah. and over. It's not even like iterations of it. It's the exact yes. same phrase. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's 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 lazy, is what it is. Like, it does seem lazy because yeah. like there are so many ways to. I mean, how many words there are in a dictionary? Like, and now that plus all the you know slang that that doesn't include. Plus, like right. English diction, like British English dictionaries, probably have yep. have extra words that American English dictionaries don't. And you know, you could probably this takes place in the U.S., so you yep. probably should steer more closer to American English because they're this is in Seattle where this takes place. It's supposed to be, yeah, yeah. Partly, There's, I guess, part of it's in Oregon, but it's in Oregon, Seattle, and then a hot second in Georgia. Yes, that's right. For all America, for, though. All America, yeah, uh, which is yeah. very interesting. I wonder why she chose. Well, I guess I know why she chose because Twilight takes place in Washington. Um, oh so gosh. it had okay. to be. Here. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I did some more digging. So she blushes or flushes 125 times, including 13 that are scarlet, six that are crimson, and one that is stars and stripes red. Wow, that's how you know it's uh, America. Stars. Yeah. And stripes. Right. Anna I blush stars and stripes. <laughs> I'm America. America. Uh, Anna peeks up at Christian 13 times. Uh, and oh. there's nine references to Christian's hooded eyes and okay. seven to his long index finger. Oh, um, no. Characters murmur 199 times, whisper 195 times, oh, clamber God. on, in, or out of things 21 times, smirks <laughs> wow. 34 times. This is amazing. I could go on and on. Uh, yeah, it's something. It is. Yeah, it's it's 
it feels like a th- it doesn't feel like a first draft of something because there aren't very many like it does mistakes. but it doesn't yeah. yeah it it feels like a first real work which I, I know that we bash on E.L. James. Like, it's hard to write a book. I'm not one to talk. I have never, ever attempted yeah. to write anything. I am not a good writer. But at the same time, it's just, I think for me, the frustration is how much praise and attention this book has gotten. Yeah. It's not very good. And I think the only reason it has the attention is because it's like 20 to 40 year old women love it because it's saucy and i think that's literally yeah. the only appeal is that ooh, it's dangerous and then even in getting into that territory which it's not even it's like, not like it's really nothing bland. about this book <laughs> like, there have got to be way crazier uh oh god what are they called paper you know mass market paperbacks that are that have like the the man, the shirtless man with a cowboy oh, hat on the front. Oh, bodice busters. Bodice yeah. busters. Yeah. yeah. There have got to be honestly way better ones, which is saying something because I don't feel like even the people writing those know that those aren't really that great. Like, no, you're not reading it. It's like porn. You're not watching the porn for the story. Like, yeah, you're not reading editing, those books like, for the story. Like, that's get to the good part. Like, how many people buy those books and immediately try to find the trashy parts? Like, right. <laughs> like, this book is 500 pages long, and honestly, maybe 100 of the pages have anything to do with, like, sexual acts. Like, yeah, yeah. If there's not that much in it. No, there's really not, and which was very surprising. I was expecting it to be a lot more saucy, given how yeah. much attention it's gotten, and like it's been banned from places in around the country, right. around the world, and it's like it's not even that crazy. Like no, uh, yeah, yeah. It's the the second you you attach a BDSM. That's it. it. Yeah, that's where people start losing their minds, and it's like it's not even a BDSM. It like anything strays. It like dips its toes into BDSM. Like it barely, so barely touches on that. Obviously, that's what the book is about. That's what that is. What Christian Gray is. He identifies as Dom. Yeah, but it's just not true, though. Like that's just like not what the book is. Nope. There's there's one point I would say at literally the very end when they stray into that really at all. Yeah, and it's at it's the very the whole, end. Well, like, yeah, and they you know they reference the red room, which is his he calls it his playroom, which yeah. is where all of his BDSM scenes are are acted out, and his play is all acted out in there. Has all which, the tools, I mean, his tools, right? His tool, my tools. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> <laughs> he has that whole setup, which, I mean, granted, there are people in the BDSM world who have their playroom. Like, that is a realistic right. representation. And I know that a lot of the toys and stuff that he had in there are actually are real in yeah. the, the BDSM world. They are real, which, you know, props to the set designers because they did their research. That's the thing. That's the movie, though. <laughs> like, the, the book, yeah. though, like. Oh, yeah. We're not even talking. Yeah. Yeah. Reverse. Like, revert back. We're not even talking about the movie, but. Yeah, I mean, it. This this is the frustration that I keep having with with the book and the movie. Really, is that this is a, a you know a representation of BDSM, and it's completely inaccurate, and it's so mainstream that this is what people think BDSM is, right. and it's not, and it just it gives it a bad name. And I'm not even technically part of the BDSM 
culture. Like I, I, I'm not even in that world and I can tell this is a horrible representation. And I know people who are, who have said the exact same thing that this is not at all a representation of a healthy dynamic in a BDSM Don sub relationship. This is very much an abusive person who is mentally manipulating a woman who is not experienced at all because they make a point of saying Anna is a virgin. Mm -hmm. So it's like they had to drop that little cherry in there that she's had zero experience and now she's just going to immediately jump into the BDSM world with no knowledge of any kind, like vanilla or otherwise. So it's just not realistic on so many levels and... This is not a healthy representation of what it means to be in the BDSM culture, like, at all. It it's almost, abusive, and it's wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it almost feels like uh, – I know that this is and – and I don't know how many people are aware of this. I know plenty of people are – that Fifty Shades of Grey was originally a fan fiction for Twilight. And, yes, it's like a sexy uh, version. Yeah, it was called Master mm. of the Universe – I believe was the title of it. And it was mm-hmm. originally it was Edward and Bella. Because it was fanfic. So it was like the exact acceptable. same story as Fifty Shades. It was just Edward and Bella. That was, you know, and they were I don't know if he was still a vampire, probably the same characters. But you know, I haven't read that. I original. haven't read it, so, so I don't know. I what wouldn't it, know. Yeah. <laughs> um It almost does feel like in some instances that God, we we have not read I have not read Twilight recently. Uh, you have not read Twilight, and I almost feel I like tried. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> that we <laughs> almost should have in order to get to a like full scope, a full scope of what this book is, because uh-huh. there are lots of things that it feels like. Yeah, it's like someone just tacked some sexual deviancy as they saw it into a Twilight world, which is exactly what mm-hmm. it is, uh, mm-hmm. and and that just doesn't track. Nope. very well and it ends up being like yeah this is written by someone who has no idea nope. what it is uh this is 2011 you know youtube came out and was released youtube came out youtube uh was created in like what 2007 2000 is it that late really yeah i think i was i, I had it was... like just gotten in Maybe honestly i don't know but but even then it's like the internet was not a new thing Right. Go talk to people in the BDSM culture. You can find them. They're not yeah. unicorns. Like people are more than happy to talk about what it truly means to be in the BDSM community because if you don't do your research, this is your outcome. Like this this is an exact representation of what it looks like when you're writing about something that you know nothing about. And it drives right. me nuts <laughs> and and it would be fine if this you know if this book stayed as it originally was it was self-published and mm-hmm. uh and it was like print on demand you know so mm-hmm. yeah it was it started out very small and i honestly don't know exactly how like it got picked up by a, a major publishing house but uh but it did i yeah uh... for whatever reason and then in 2015 and then even then i mean in 2015 i feel like when the movie came out it was like I feel like that's really what kicked it. Yes. Like into a higher level. I feel like obviously like Twilight was a really big thing that that happened. And yeah. then Twilight movies came out. That was a big flare up. And then, oh, turns out somebody wrote a fanfic of a smutty version of Twilight and that ramped everything up. And then yeah. they did a movie. So it just kind of kept stacking and stacking and yeah. stacking in notoriety from really Twilight is kind of what 
started the whole thing, obviously. Exactly. On many yeah. levels. And it's unfortunate. <laughs> this book is written actually very similarly uh, to Twilight in its in its like style, mm. which you would think would make sense because it's based on, but it's written by a different person. So completely you know, different person. And somehow it still kind of manages that same. Yeah, different person, different background, different country. Yeah, it manages that same sort of feel, which is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense given that, you know, the source material really was Twilight and that's what we're going off of. If you want to stylistically keep it similar, I mean, that makes sense. It's just that neither of them are good. (laughs) Right. It's it's and that's kind of like why the movie I feel is so bad, too, is that you've just stacked an adaptation on top of an adaptation on. Now you've reached the third iteration uh, and it's like you're just it's getting further and further diluted from from the source, <laughs> and it's like of course it's bad. Like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. like I, I guess I won't go too much into my thoughts of the movie yet, but um, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, but it's it really is um, just this weird continual dilution of characters and plot and story mm-hmm. and uh, and writing style that just kind of falls apart yep yeah the longer you kind of dive into like trying to rationalize stylistic choice character development track i mean literally anything that i looked at i was like well maybe there's some maybe there's some redeeming factors given you know xyz like looking at anna's character looking at her roommate's character looking at christian i mean just like i was trying to isolate something right to try to get some sort of like reasonable like oh they did this really well right and i just couldn't get there i couldn't the get roommate, there none of it's great the roommate's the best character in my opinion i could get behind that she <laughs> there are so many instances where she checks with anna like hey everything okay because it doesn't seem okay right and she actually calls christian out yeah she like hey you're mistreating my friend or she's Mm -hmm. like if you need anything you know let me know because obviously she can't like stop anna from doing anything because you know they're all adults adults. Uh, but she constantly is reaching out make sure i mean the main reason she doesn't for like the middle of the book is because she is off in europe with her family after graduation and so like she's she's just not there in order to Mm -hmm. you know keep checking up on her uh, and this was a, yeah. a a trip that she had planned for you know well before they met Christian Grey. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Her her character, I think, is the most stable. Yes, out of everybody in the book. And then I would say maybe her parents. I would say her dad. Her stepdad does seem really nice. And her mom is is supportive, and she does seem to pick up on things that are upsetting Anna. And it's another thing of like, you know, if you meddle with your children's lives too much, then, you know, they'll resent you for it. So it's like. And they won't grow up. She can't. Yeah, you know? she she can't mm-hmm. make decisions for her. But she obviously knows that something is not right. And she does. She's mm-hmm. like, why don't you come fly down to Georgia, you know, for a week and we can hang out and, you know, you can kind of take a step back from this whole thing that's obviously bothering you. So, yeah, every yeah. S- most Every side character, I say that because there are several side characters I don't like who aren't good. But most, and the driver, Taylor, 
Taylor. Yeah, I was actually going to say he's actually a pretty decent character. He's for a being decent such character. A small character. Yeah, he doesn't say much. He doesn't really do no. much, but he uh, seems like a you know he seems like a normal guy because he mm-hmm. probably is a normal guy. You know, yeah, he just, he just drives cars. Around. He just drives around a billionaire, and that's you know yeah. happens to be his job. But he yeah. like doesn't he like offer her like something when at the end of the book she's like she's crying because they broke up. And he drives her home, and he offers her a uh, a, a tissue, a tissue, or a yeah, handker- a handkerchief, yeah, something like that. He has these moments yeah. where he does these small things where he is a genuinely nice person, yeah, and that is a good good touch, yeah, because I'm sure that he has seen the other fifteen women that you know mm-hmm. Christian Gray has done this with. I'm sure mm-hmm. he has seen lots of stuff that he probably would prefer not to and and now he's just kind of like well you know it's i'll do my best to pick up the pieces of these poor people being abused by this man i know i although it's hard to say what the other situations were like because we don't really get anything about them we just know there were 15 previous partners yeah that had signed the contract yes who it does sound like anna's the first one who was not previously in this um lifestyle before Mm -hmm. meeting him yes so that alone puts them on a completely different level than her um, in that they do understand what this is and they can actually make an informed decision on what uh not to say you know anna is an adult she can make informed decisions she can you know she can consent to things but christian should have known yeah that she is new to this and she doesn't she obviously is in over her head a bit now mm-hmm. that that is her responsibility too to say something to you right. know he he if gave her safe words i and yeah. she never uses them and yeah but mm-hmm. but yeah but he is you know the one the more knowledgeable and the more experienced one the more mm-hmm. literally the one with more power in this situation and and so the the blame does fall onto him as well. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it falls really onto both of them, and for different reasons. For different reasons, yeah. yeah. And the the movie made me realize that in the book we hear everything from Anna's point of view. We get all of her thoughts, and mm-hmm. so it's you're like, well, of course, of course, I feel bad for her because. She, You're only seeing her side. I'm he- seeing her side, and I, you know, I'm seeing her emotional turmoil. But then, when you watch the movie, you realize that she is not saying any of that out loud, and so Christian has no idea, really. Like he, right. she's is, not being truthful. She's not him telling him. No, mm-hmm. she's not telling him. This makes me uncomfortable until the very end. Mm-hmm. And she was uncomfortable when he gives her those six belt hits at the end that's at the very end at the yeah. very end she's uh she's like done with it by like the second one like she mm-hmm. does not want the other never four, ever says her safe words but she never all. says her she safe just words pushes through and right before that she asked him to do this she's like i mm-hmm. need to better understand you so let you know does do this and he's like are you sure and she's like, yes. And he's like, are you really sure? And he's like, yeah. yes. It's like, okay. Okay. So yeah. he does it. And then she freaks out. And she hates it, which is fine that she hates it. 
But then she turns around and she's like, you're a monster. And it's yeah. like, lady. <laughs> like, yeah. You asked him to do this. I know. I know. And it's frustrating because she's not conveying her discomforts, which is on her. Yeah. But she, again, you go back to the power dynamic. She's, yes. she's, you know, I don't even know if it's trust. We'll call it sort pseudo trust. She trusts him. So she's putting her body it literally in his hands, even right. though she doesn't know anything about the universe. So she's not expressing her discomforts, which is an issue. He is taking advantage of the fact that she doesn't know what she wants. Right. So that's his issue. And also, like, you go back to the contract that he's he's docked up for her, for her to yes. sign. But he brought it to her in such a way that it sounds like once you sign this agreement, that's it. You can back out of being in the relationship, but you can't back out of the decisions that you signed to in this contract. And it's like it's an ultimatum. It's not a yeah. contract. It's an ultimatum where it's like you either sign this, we agree on terms, and if you don't like it, then we end our relationship completely. Right, which is not what she wants. Which is not – and that's also, again, we keep coming back. That is not what the point of contracts in a BDSM relationship are. Right. Everything is fluid. Everything needs to be discussed. And if things are like they're okay in the beginning and all of a sudden are no longer okay, you right. discuss it and you adjust. You don't just say, well, tough shit. You're going to do what I say because you signed right. a contract. Like, well, yeah. That is not – how it works which he it should never be that way he says it or she says it there's some some line where they talk about how like this contract is not legally enforceable because it's but not it comes there, back to the power dynamic though. yeah you but know, you're this right is the expectation you're right that she that that he it is a more like an ultimatum it's like mm-hmm she wants to have a relationship with him and so she's like this is I, the only fine. way yeah you can we can only have a relationship uh in any way shape or form if you sign this contract and she's like well i don't really want to sign this contract but i do want to have a relationship with him right. um and so that's so she considers it for 500 pages now she doesn't end up signing it <laughs> uh, but <laughs> she doesn't end up signing it which i actually think is like there's this crazy the one thing. Good decision. I kept making all like these notes as I was reading. I was like, okay, oh, it's yeah. like page 100. Like, I wonder when she's going to sign the contract. And it's like, what is she going to sign it by like page 200? And then I get to page 200. It's like, okay, well, she's got to sign it by page like 300, right? I get to page 300. It's like, okay, 400? Is she going to sign it? It's like, is she going to sign it literally in the last like 10 pages of this thing? Two and pages. then I get to the end and I'm like, oh, no, she's just not going to sign it. And just string him along that whole time. Yeah. Because that's the other thing, too, is that yeah. she keeps telling him. They do keep doing this thing to each other where like they tell each other one thing and then they do the exact opposite thing. Mm -hmm. And it's so unhealthy for both of them because yes. she's like, fine i can i'll do this contract with you and he is obviously he's happy because he he's like great does like her next he, question he yeah. does want to do this contract with her he does want and then but then like the next she's like he like spanks her with his hand and she's like no that's like I, nothing more than that you know but then what he does he's like i don't i don't sleep next to anyone in the same bed and then he sleeps next to her like four or five Three times, times. Three yeah. times, yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, okay, so is it- Mixed you, messages, guys. Do you yeah. or don't you? Because yeah. you say that you don't at all, ever, uh, and then here you are doing it. It's all over the place. Yeah, it's 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 incredibly 
it's an incredibly unhealthy dynamic that these two have. I hesitate to say relationship at all because it, I guess it is a relationship that they have. It's, it's just not a like, functional one by yeah. any means, but I guess you could kind of call it a relationship. I mean, it's... When we talked yeah. about it earlier where it's like the character development, mm-hmm. both characters end in pretty much the exact same place they started. Yeah. With not really much change in between. Except like, Anna's no longer a virgin. <laughs> yeah, I it's guess like that's one, true. <laughs> I wouldn't even call that a personal growth. That's just an adjustment. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's just a thing that happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the only thing that has changed. They both still have the same ideas about what they want or don't want. Mm-hmm. And not really much compromise has been made. I would actually say that that Christian made the most compromise of the two of them in that with the contract specifically, she stru- uh, struck out a bunch of stuff and he said, mm-hmm. okay. And then but that's she- not him compromising. That's that's the whole premise of a contract. Like you're supposed to do those things. Very true. Like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call that a compromise because the fact that you know we had kind of briefly talked about this offline, but I had found some interviews with actual people in in the universe that did critiques on the book yeah. and the movie, and somebody made a comment that. If you knew that the person you were getting involved with or trying to get involved with has never had any sexual experience at all, you yeah, don't not, put yeah. really hardcore stuff on contracts. Like that's unreasonable and unfair right. to ask somebody who is a novice to par- even to consider partaking in things like that. You start small and then you yeah. adjust as you become more comfortable. And so he put like really a not aggressive but really advanced things yeah. in the contract and aggressive didn't cater for someone it. who doesn't know you know it's advanced yeah. she's not she's never had any sexual experience at all not even yeah. in the bdsm culture just ever so it's like you you need to set different expectations you don't just like have your laundry list of things that you've done with people in the past and hope they say yes when they don't know what it is they don't understand what that entails you don't have any substantial trust in the relationship to even feel confident or comfortable doing those things as a submissive like there's so many elements to this is like this is not okay like that it never should have been presented in that way to her in the first place so that she then had to turn it down when she should never have even had to consider that this yeah. early on in the only their thing relationship. he tells her is Google submissive. Yeah, just Google it. Just It'll be Google fine. It. You'll get a full course. Right. Yeah. Like there's this great there's this great site called Pornhub. It'll show you everything yeah, you need to know. Literally the best <laughs> education like... you could ask for. And it's like, no. Oh my God. No. Yeah, I yeah, think that it's... that literally is mm-hmm. what E.L. James did. She Googled submissive. And yep. or maybe Googled BDSM, maybe even yep. if she went that far. And and then she was like, this is what I did. So that's just what I'm going to write in this book, uh, which I yeah. guess, you know, they say write what you know, but the which is apparently nothing. But the nothing <laughs> I, I actually wanted to talk about Anna's pre meeting Christian Gray. So like the first, I don't know, 10 pages or so, five pages, even mm, she meets him pretty beginning. quickly. She talks about with Kate, I'm pretty sure it's at this point, but at some point she talks with Kate about how she has never 
been sexually attracted to a man ever before this yeah. point. Uh, right. Which is, I think maybe that's why Kate, it's, I think it's after she meets Christian Grey because Kate says something about how she's surprised that the Anastasia Steele would, would, yeah, would be attracted to any man at all. Which mm-hmm. then it's like, is she asexual? Like, is that, but but obviously that's, she's not yeah. because she, she seems to be attracted to, be a, to him. And that's in the, like physically attracted, not just like mentally yeah, attracted. Not just to she's never like been in love or physically attracted to another man before this before him. Mm-hmm. And that is what I'm pretty sure her words. I think she says that. Mm-hmm. And so it feels a lot like similar to how throughout the whole thing she's like, "Oh, I I can fix him." I can yeah, change that's a whole him. Other thing. That's kind of how her mindset towards him and and all this stuff. Something about like I can. Dra- she says something about drag him into the light or something. Yeah. As if he's in some darkness, which he, which he is in some darkness, but not because of the BDSM stuff. Yeah. He just uses that as an excuse. He uses that as an excuse, but similar to that, where it's like, oh, you know, she was just a shrew until she met this guy, and then now she's yeah. a changed woman. Uh, now yeah. she's she's had her sexual awakening. She was a lesbian until she met the right man. <laughs> like, God. right? That's like what it felt like. I know that's not what it yeah. was, but like, it felt like she was like she was asexual, but she just hadn't met the right man yet. Yep. Now I don't know if that's what Yale James, you know, intended to have them. But that's the, how it came but off. That's how it feels when you read mm-hmm. that, where it's like there are plenty of people who are perfectly fine and content with not being sexually attracted to anyone and it's not ever an instance they're of not they broken. just haven't found the right person yeah. yeah they're not broken it is not a flaw now this was 2011 and who was talking about ace people then but yeah so there's probably I, i'm sure i'm very doubtful that that is even what that's about uh but it did feel a little bit on the on the on that side that sort of thought process yeah. No, I totally agree with that. It's a very stereotypical trope of like, oh, well, they have a doomed relationship, but they realize that all they needed was each other and it fixes everything. And they just, you know, they didn't know they were missing something until they met each other and they realized that was the piece that they were missing the whole time. And it's that whole like star-crossed lover thing. Yeah. I... Yeah. I think that the ending of the book is actually the only part that I that I like. Uh It's the only part that's realistic. Yeah. The that. fact that they break up and and that it <laughs> none of it works is the most realistic thing I can think of in this book. Except that we know it works later because there's two more books. That's what <laughs> made me so sad was like ugh. I know. There's two more books. Like oh. I was looking at this book and I was like just take out like all like the sex stuff. And like me and not all of it, but like take out like some of the sex stuff and then just have this be a a drama about two people who really like each other but just are, are not compatible <laughs> at all. Like just have this be yeah. a like put this book on Oprah's book list. <laughs> book book club. Her book club. You know, with that. Like this is a man and he's been abused as a child and, and you know, he's mm-hmm. dysfunctional. Don't link it to the BDSM stuff. Like no. He can have He's that. He's had a hard, yeah. Yeah, it can be something else. Just make it about how you're talking about this guy. This guy is completely, uh, was abused, and he has, is living a, lo- a rough life, 
and he is trying to control everything around him because he was brought up in a terrible, unstable environment growing up. It happens. Total. It's a real thing. It happens to people yeah. all it the happens. time. It happens. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And then have Anastasia Steele on the other side where you're like, this is someone who has grown up in, in a in a fairly stable. I mean, her, her parents are no longer married, but like that's not that uncommon these days. But her parents are pretty kind to her. But her she parents still talk tr- to like, her. Abuse of any kind. Yes. And- she is the stellar opposite of mm-hmm. him, and she is inexperienced completely. Like, she has never done it, and you have that. So it's a pretty much the same dynamic, except you just focus more on the fact of their emotional differences and and the mm-hmm. difficulties that, that, that they face because of that. And then you literally just have, like, a good uh, character drama. That actually, because mm-hmm. I found that to be like, I, I was like, God, I wish I knew the timestamps of when these sex scenes ended because I don't care about <laughs> any of <fast> this. <laughs> Not even like, it wasn't even like this makes me uncomfortable. It was like, okay, fine, let's just get through this part. Because the yeah. parts that I actually did find interesting in this book were the parts where the two of them were talking about their like feelings, which of course is kind of funny because like, a sex book about f- yeah like um, and then the best part i found was the feelings part but <laughs> the i read a smut book and the best part i found was the one they all stopped the and <laughs> talked about their feelings like because that to me is far more interesting um i'm also not in into bdsm so you know that doesn't really you know pique my interest it's that not, it wasn't even bdsm i know it was so thing. loosely it wasn't even like a good representation from that perspective. I know. It was just so bland just and like cut that part ooh. out entirely. Like yeah, honestly, like, like he used ropes one time. Spicy. I know. Like, that's, like I mean, he uses his tie. Yeah. He uses ice. Like these are all yeah. things that these you know the average person things. can use. Yeah. It's not. It's not he a big uses deal. a writing crop at one point. Which that is, is like the, a little probably saucy. yeah the the closest but, it really gets I mean, until the end. Borderline, Bord- yeah. I mean it's barely there, and yeah. you know it, it, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's it's written by someone who is obviously not in that. It'd be like if I wrote a book. If if I wrote this book, it would probably be just as bad. Like. <laughs> because I, one, am not a woman, so I have no business writing from the perspective of a woman because I don't fucking know what it's like. And two, I'm not in the BDSM community, so I have no idea what that's like either. What that entails. And so, yeah, yeah it probably wouldn't. Nor do oh, I. He used a writing crop. Like, that sounds like ooh, BDSM, and I'm sitting here typing scandal. away like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> like, it's not. It's it, Sure, sure, it's part of it. Like. It's it you know right. it, it there it, it, that is there. there you are you're yeah. not wrong but it's but that's not, hardly yeah a hardcore aspect and that's you know it's again going back to the interviews I saw of or I guess the reviews that I saw from people in the BDSM community they're like this is so like soft mm. and not at all like they're like when's when's it gonna get to the good part because they're all like this is so dumb this is so vanilla like what is this like (laughs) right this is like baby's first bdsm like (laughs) this is not a really a real thing yeah 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 oh my gosh okay well we could continue talking about the book i think really 
it's I was gonna say there's a, we haven't even touched on so much about the book that I could just like rant into the void about forever. So yeah, let's let's transition into the, into the movie. movie. Which honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I think that I'll have very few things to say about the movie that doesn't have to do with exactly. the comparison. So we might fly through this second section and just jump right into the comparison. Honestly, yeah. so I agree. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> The movie, that's the thing. The movie is this soulless adaptation of an already kind of soulless book. Yeah. Yeah. It's two hours yeah. long. And and I, and I can remember barely any of it. Yeah. O- I only remember it because I read the book. Yeah. Like, that's the only reason <laughs> I remember any of the stuff in the movie. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, I couldn't have put it better myself, so we'll just jump into that hot mess. So I'll give a quick synopsis here. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just as good as the book synopsis. Yes. All right. When college senior Anastasia Steele, played by Dakota Johnson, steps in for her sick roommate to interview prominent businessman Christian Gray, played by Jamie Dornan, for their campus paper, little does she realize the path her life will take. Christian and enigmatic, as he is rich and powerful finds himself strangely drawn to Anna and she to him. Though sexually inexperienced, Anna plunges headlong into an affair and learns that Christian's true sexual proclivities push the boundaries of pain and pleasure. Oof. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Uh, Sexual proclivities. That's cute. (laughs) Yeah. God, they really are. That somehow the movie... Somehow the movie takes an even further step back from BDSM than the book does. Right? It takes a further right? step back, even even like the, I don't know, whatever, the book. Uh, maybe the book just didn't take a far enough step forward, really, is the way to put it. Yes. But the movie, <laughs> it feels like the movie purposely did not actually go into any of that at all. Yeah. I was expecting, well, two things. Okay. So when I watched the movie... I watched the unrated version. I was like, hell yeah, let's yeah, do me this. Too. Unrated, bring it on. And I'm like, okay, like, what's the point we're of any other version in. of this movie? Right? I was like, well, if we're going to go all out, we're watching the unrated version. So I watched that thinking unrated, uncut, right? right? Not quite X-rated, but pretty darn close. That's right. what I'm expecting. I was like maybe two-thirds of the way in the movie. I'm like, when's the unrated part going right. to happen? This is just an R-rated movie. <laughs> This is just a really like steamy, not good movie. Like, yeah. When is it gonna get to the unrated bits? And I guess I was talking to you offline, and you said it's because they show breasts and a little bit of pubic area. I think yes. is what made it unrated. And I'm like, seriously, guys? They, they like, show, yeah, they show pubic on. hair, which I know that they don't usually do that. But scandal. You see like a yeah. bit of his bits, but like. <laughs> Barely. Barely. I didn't even remember that you saw it. I missed it. Yeah, I literally that because you I see remember his, thinking his cute little tush though. Yes, you see Mr. Dornan's tush. Quite I will a bit. say they both have very nice Sassy butts. I'll tush. give it to them. Very nice tushes. Um, Best yeah, part but of the I was movie, just like really. that. That really was. They're both very good-looking people, so I understand why they picked them yeah. to, to represent these actors, like these characters. But I, yeah, so that was disappointing. Yeah. I was like, where's where's the good stuff? Wasn't there. 
And then on top of that, you know, the quote unquote unrated version, not only was it really not unrated in my opinion, the BDSM aspect, I have heavy quotations around this. Right. It was like a scene of him slapping her on the butt twice and her getting breathless. And then yeah, him using an ice cube on her nipples for two seconds and right. then feeding her warm champagne from his mouth to hers. Yeah. After <laughs> he then, snuck into her house. Yeah. After he broke in and like made her strip after she had just gone for a run. Woof. And then uh, and then they have like, you know, the the kind of crazy first time in the red room scene right. where he he's you know he puts her up in some some wrist wear stuff where she's she's suspended a little bit off and that there's like a whole sassy crop scene i'm like okay this is kind of getting into it and yeah. then they and have it. her strapped to the bed and that i mean it's like none of this is really hardcore at all and with that room, the red room with like all the visuals and all this, like there's yes. paddles and there's like a slew of different cuffs and there's suspension stuff. And there's like, there's a whole slew of things in this room and they never use them. I wouldn't be surprised if someone on the set design team did get into contact with someone. Uh, oh, in you order know they did their research. Because the 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 yeah. red room looks good. Like it looks- It's perfect. It, it's very yes. well designed. I mean, this movie visually so what is you, beautiful. What you said about Twilight, yeah, it looks yeah. it looks like a good movie. It just isn't mm-hmm. a good movie. And yeah, it's the same so with production this. value is amazing. the The set design was gorgeous. The cinematography style was really crisp and pretty. The soundtrack, fun fact, Danny Elfman did the soundtrack <sighs> for the film, and I'm like, what is happening? I love Danny Elfman. He did a great job, but why would you put your name on this? Danny Elfman, what did you I think it's so funny. I like, you <laughs> were talking about him in Big Fish, and then- Yeah! And then like literally- in anything Tim Burton. Right yeah, after I, mean, I finished listening to that episode, I like watched this movie pretty pretty soon after. <laughs> and was like, oh no. Oh, Danny Elfman. I love you so much. This doesn't ruin my love for Danny Elfman, I will no. say. But at the same time, like, the why soundtrack would you was put fine. your name on this? It was wonderful because it's Danny Elfman. He actually right. does good work. <laughs> yeah. He takes pride in his also, work. Also, like, he takes pride in his work. Also, like, the soundtrack, they had a whole bunch of compilations of, like, Beyonce and other R&B Sia. artists. Yeah, there's that a Sia song really in there, I remember. Ni- there's a Sia song in there. There's some really nice music choices and visually it is stunning it is a beautiful film and also like we're kind of well, i'm kind of biased i don't know about you but it's filmed in hometown seattle yeah so it's like visually i'm like oh it's my it's yeah. my neck of the woods which is like a really nice little kind of nugget to appreciate because like i know where that is i've been there i've walked those streets so it's it is nice yeah. visually but then the story is just so lacking that it just can't salvage it. Everything is just a Cliff Notes version of the book yeah. as as just a way to get to the sex scenes. But then when you get to the sex scenes, they're not even that good. No, they fall so short. So it's like, yeah. so what is What's the, point the point of this movie? <laughs> because the point? <laughs> the point of the movie, I thought, was because it's BDSM and, and it's like, oh, it's a phenomenon i mean i know what the point of the movie was it was to capitalize on the success of this book in order to make more money for for who you know whoever made it 
whatever studio yep. it was. Paramount? I don't actually yep. remember. But uh, Paramount or Universal? Universal, I maybe. Remember. I can't remember either. But One of the big ones. It, it, the, the point of this movie, obviously, is to make money. But if you're thinking about it from like the director's standpoint... Um, and which maybe maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I should be thinking about it from the from the studio standpoint because there's no way that anyone with any sense of artistic integrity <clears throat> wrote this this movie or and, and directed this movie. Actually, the directing is not that bad, but E.L. James actually was on the the billing for um screenwriting with the screenwriting. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that maybe she does explain some things. But yeah. She was there. She's on the billing. So, I mean, I, I think it is it is important from adaptation standpoint. If the author is alive and willing to participate, I think it can be great asset yes. because you've got the actual person who wrote the story, so right. they understand what they want the aesthetic to be, what they want the character like right. development to be. Like that's who else is going to have a better idea than the person who wrote it originally? But right. at the same time. <laughs> The source was not good. The to source, begin with. yeah, it's like you were doomed from the start. <laughs> Who cares at this point? <laughs> so yeah, it's like, yeah, why, why even bother? Just... It doesn't matter. I mean, I would say I don't think it would have been any better or worse had she been part of the process. Right. <laughs> Honestly, maybe it would have been better. <laughs> maybe actually, that is a good point. If if the director, they had even more artistic liberty. Know, I don't know what the director has done. <laughs> before this but it, i i didn't recognize the name either it's quite possible that yes if if <sighs> if you give a director more leniency to do something of their own you probably will get something more unique will you get something better i don't know but that's debatable but it will be at least be some it will be a unique take on something yeah it might at least be interesting it's kind of like that's the second the uh i say second the um oh the Star Wars movie that was in between the two J.J. Abrams ones. Because J.J. Abrams did the f- episode episode 7 and 9. It was uh, 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 Last Jedi, I think. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. So so in that regard, I mean, this is a bit of a side, but just for just as a comparison, uh, The Last Jedi, a lot of people, myself included, are like, it's not really a good movie, but it is a unique movie. In that they gave Ryan Johnson a fair amount of leeway to write and direct his own Star Wars movie, and the result yeah. is is something unique that has, in some instances, has not been done in a Star Wars movie before. Now, that said, it's uh, unfortunately it's not very good in my opinion. Um, it maybe at least we could have gotten something interesting some interesting unique take on this story yeah as opposed to what i think it was is probably el james giving some large oversight to uh on this and then the Mm -hmm. studios being like well the test audiences have given these notes and so we have to you know do this because we the whole point of this is not to be not to make art but to you know capitalize on on the success of this book and that's what this movie feels yep. like. It feels like just a group. A group made this. It's a group project made for the sake of getting a good grade and not for making a good product. Yeah. And I, I will say, I, not that this is the topic of today, but Twilight felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Like the movie where 
the reason that it did well was not because of the story, I don't think, but it was because visually it was stunning. They had a really solid A-list cast. Yeah. For, like, they had some big names yeah. in those films. Like, in all of the films. Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning. And, like... Martin Sheen and like a yeah. lot of um a lot of really big names. Anna Kendrick. And, um, uh, and Anna Kendrick, yeah. yeah. I mean, like a lot of people were in those films that you would never expect, but that's really like it gets butts in seats. Exactly. And I think that's kind of like they, they're more concerned about the viewership and they're more concerned about the money they're gonna make than an actual good product. Yes. And it's unfortunate because I know that there are people who work on films like this. That really do good work. Like right. again, I go back to the the production value was gorgeous. I'm sure the budget you for know, this the, movie was good. The budget must have been insane because it's beautiful, and they do a lot of like, you know, there's like a helicopter scene, and there's like them in the glider scene in yeah. Georgia, and there's like some really beautiful shots in the film, and it's not cheap to do stuff like that. Right. And also a lot of aerial shots of like I five with no traffic, so you know they yeah. shut down I five yeah. for that. <laughs> God, yeah. Imagine finding I five with no one on it ever. With no traffic. Okay, in the middle I of actually, the day. I have to, I have to do an aside. So a cup when I was watching the movie, I had a couple of notes like that. So it's like we're local, so we know these areas. Yeah. So uh, every single aerial shot of I five, I'm like, look at those ten cars How on I five. Do it. <laughs> right in front of like the Stewart exits I'm like no freaking there's way. no way <laughs> I could literally in the middle of the day I, I the know. middle of like the everyone's supposed so to be at funny. work and I would still get like a, a <laughs> slowdown on I-5 yeah. passing through Seattle yeah there's no yeah, yeah. way and so that was that was one comment I had and then another aside in in the very beginning of the movie she drives her bug to the office of Christian Gray to do right. the interview she parks Right on the street. outside the building on the street, you and can't I'm like, do that. "No, you can't do that." Not a downtown. single downtown spot has parking like that, <laughs> and there For was no free. meters yeah. anywhere. Yeah, I was like, "There's no meters. If there's not a car in sight, there was like there was maybe a... one car." And even if there could, yeah, even if you could park there, there'd be no spots. Exactly. I just laughed. I was like, "Ooh, they closed that road down for that." Yeah. <laughs> It was so funny. And then, like, she leaves the interview, mm-hmm. like, in the, again, in the beginning. And then um, she steps outside, and it's immediately raining. And I'm like, oh, look, it's raining in Seattle. Yeah, raining How surprising. Seattle. There's a lot then, of like, raining all the scenes sad, in Seattle. A lot of rain. And also, like, all the sad scenes have torrential downpour. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, it just the laughed. The very end, like, that's yeah. Not, yeah, like, that's not how the rain works here. If you were from here, you would know that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we just get funny stereotypical rain things and very rarely. Very rarely. It's just drizzles all day. Yeah. yeah, we've got 700 different ways to say drizzle, but uh yeah, so there're just like a couple funny things where I was like, "Oh my yeah. gosh, any local is going to be like, yeah, that's not going to happen." I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, I actually oh my God, did the I-5 also scenes notice every time. I just laughed. I was like, "Look at all the 10 cars on I5." Yeah, yeah. that's realistic. <laughs> I definitely noticed and was shocked that she parked right in front of the building. Like I know. I was like, she did not. Like, never in a million years. Anyone who's oh lived in gosh. any city, though, should know that, regardless right. of Seattle. That's not realistic. And Yeah, so one of, I'm looking at my notes right now. One of them was like, oh, look, it's dumping in Seattle again. Again. <laughs> wow. 
in two days. Oh, my God. It was so funny. Yeah. So anyway, those are not relevant, really, to yes, having a good, points. successful film. But it was just funny. I was just like, oh, guys, cinema at work. I want to talk about Jose and... Oh, yes. I want to talk, about, talk, about, talk Jose. about Jose and kind of Paul mm-hmm. a little bit, too. But yeah, so I guess I could say something about, yeah. about who Jose, Jose is. Jose is Anna's second best friend. I'd say Kate is her best friend. Jose yeah. is Anna's like second best friend. And he constantly in the book, they talk about she talks about how she knows that he wants to be more than just friends. And that she doesn't want to be more than just friends she with him. She is just a friend. To she him. is totally yeah. fine with being just friends with him, which is like, yeah, obviously that's a thing that people can do. But he is, is you know, not, he, he's not, he wants to be more, but he doesn't seem like he does, he's, you know, going to do anything with it, is, yeah, is the pining. impression. He's just pining. Paul is her, her co worker at the, uh, I don't even know if his name is Paul in the book. Honestly, I don't remember, but. I think it's Luke, actually. It's some Honestly, who really cares? Matters. He's a, not an important <laughs> character. He is a vehicle with which to show that Christian Grey gets jealous of random men putting their arms around Anna. Yep. Paul is a co-worker, and he has a wildly inappropriate workplace touch uh, with Anna, where he, like... Yes. I think in the movie, it's much shorter. He puts his hands, like, on her shoulders in a very, like, friendly way, and she's obviously not comfortable with it. Yeah. And, and Christian Grey gives his little glowering stare and then in the in the book i believe he puts his arm around like around her waist or something it's 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 far more uncomfortable in the book Um, the book is more uncomfortable in a lot of ways completely brush over it in the movie and then with jose now jose is really who i wanted to talk about jose is a large part of the book really like at least the first half of the book Mm-hmm. They're really good friends. The car that she has, the bug, it used to be his, and he like does like he service it on it. Her. Yeah, mm-hmm. he has a like a upcoming photography art show. Yeah, that he is showing off his work, and so it's a big deal. And they they talk about how he wants her to be there, and she's like, "Of course, you're my friend." And there's like this whole thing, and then they graduate from college, and they go out for a night of drinking and Anna drinks too much and she she drunk dials Christian Grey and mm-hmm. she's like talking stuff just like oh you shouldn't have sent me those books which he sent her some like first edition books that were worth like ten thousand dollars each thousands of dollars like yeah yeah and he sent her like three or four yeah like no big deal and she's like no because she's a lit major yes and so he yeah. sends her first edition copies of of some books that i can't remember exactly what they are but of someone she likes yeah some of her favorite authors and she's like oh i'm gonna return those to you and then he's like have you been drinking and she's like yep and he's like where are you and she's like somewhere in portland yeah and then like (laughs) she hangs up on him and then she he like calls back and he's like i'm coming to get you i'm coming to get you stay there doesn't know where she is she doesn't say where she was uh he yeah. doesn't know. He's supposedly in Seattle because that's where he is, and she's yes. in Portland. Um, so then she stumbles outside because she's drunk too much, and then she gets followed by Jose. And Jose then proceeds to force himself upon her, more or less. Not, not so much. I think he just tries to kiss her, and I think he succeeds in the book. 
in the book, yeah. So in the book, he kisses her and she says no and he's drunk too and he says you know like we've put this off for too long right. you know you want this and he tries again and she's like trying to get out of his arms right and it's it's aggressive in the book it is like hardcore seconds away from rape vibes yeah like it is aggressive in the book it's not nearly as aggressive in the movie that was a weird thing in the movie they completely just he like tries to kiss her doesn't succeed christian shows up pushes her him away and is like the lady does said no and then he just like jose kind of like huffs and then just leaves like and like and that's it you don't see him again never see his character ever again at past that point he's introduced twice in the movie Mm -hmm. and like for like 10 minutes total in the book she is like upset by it yeah, because it's her friend who t- tried to take advantage of her when she was yes, drunk. Yes, she's obviously like, it's upset a big by deal. It. And she <laughs> she's very upset by it. And she there are multiple chapters of her talking about it and how she's avoiding his calls because she doesn't want to talk to him. Yeah, he he's calling constantly, trying to get a hold of her, which is you know it's like that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. And then, like, her roommate keeps saying, hey, I ran into Jose, and he said he really needs to talk to you. Like, He it's hasn't told her, room- her roommate constantly. yet. No. Yeah. No. Because she just basically is like, oh, can't we just, like, forget this? And it's like, that's not healthy. Right. Boundaries. Boundaries. Yet we keep coming back to the fact that there are no boundaries, she, apparently, for she her. She will not She doesn't not set any boundaries set ever. boundaries with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually what's so interesting, what you said about Secretary, because that character does grow to yes. set boundaries uh with people exactly uh, anna does not ever nope. grow no to set boundaries at all she does not stand up for herself i think god maybe maybe the only time you could say she stands up for herself is when they're going over the contract i feel like maybe yeah i mean she does voice her opinion and he does consider it yeah or does he, actually he, listen yeah so there is that but stuff out Again, that is something that it was not her choice to he presented the contract to her to then say you can look over it and adjust as needed. It wasn't him it wasn't her making the decision to look over the contract and coming back with rebuttal. Right. He already prompted that to her. So that was like the expectation. Right. So I don't really think that it it's like it's like kind of an inception vibe where it's like, I'm gonna plant this seed in your head and make it make you think that this was your idea. Right. It's not her idea to do this. She's just be, being presented this scenario. I, I don't think that there's any personal drive on her for right. she's just fulfilling the the steps to be taken with this contract. But yeah, I mean I guess you could kind of kind of peg that it's as, very loosely kind of. uh, what I would call standing up for herself. Um it voicing any sort of opinion of her own really. Like And she at least does that. She doesn't yes. just look it over saying, oh, yikes, I don't like any of this, but I guess, but I guess like I'll she send does it she at anyway. least does come back with yeah. rebuttal. But even then not her initial like she didn't initiate right the, the whole process he did the the problem like i would say like the main problem is that which is illustrated in the bar scene well it's it first comes up when she's at work and christian gray just shows up at her work yeah and he's like i'm here to buy these things and the the movie has this like background track of like this like boom 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 always oh, in this funny like he showed up at her work and he's buying duct yeah. tape and zip ties and rope 
and yep and like all he needs now is like a hammer a knife a knife <laughs> my, my tools like yeah i literally was thinking of that scene I need my tools. from always sunny where he goes dennis goes to his car <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen always sunny there's a scene where dennis goes to his car and he opens up the back the trunk and everyone's like oh, like whoa why do you have like duct tape and tarp and rope and and like hard like <laughs> like tools and he's like i i need my tools i need my, i need my tools and like the whole <laughs> joke of that is that dennis like may or may not be like a serial killer, serial killer. and like that is a, a running joke see in 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 that it's played off as a as a joke and it is a Satire. consistent yeah. thing that that show makes a joke about this is like the only time she has met him before this point is the interview she came to him yeah yeah and then now he suddenly know he knows where she, where she works but like how she... and also finds her at the bar which that actually yeah so we're ba- we're already in the comparison we're yeah we'll in, just guys. go in so so that actually is something i wanted to bring up so in the book they actually comment that he owns a tech company that specializes in phone tracking and yeah. that's how he finds out where she is which is hashtag creepiest thing ever like so he literally is like illegally stalking her right and that's how he finds out what bar she's at because again it's like she's in portland he's in seattle for those who are not familiar to this area that's a three hour drive minimum three and a half if you have no traffic no traffic whatsoever which let's be real that i5 is always busy hot mess so but he has his own personal helicopter so he doesn't have to worry about it but even then he still finds her three hours away so it's like right creepy as all it's so creepy and then he admits to it like it's no big deal yeah and then she's like oh isn't that kind of creepy same thing he shows up in georgia when she goes and visits her mom and he's just and so they're at like the the little cafe or whatever yeah. having morning morning alcoholic drinks and then she gets another one, gets a text, and he's like, oh, you're having another one? You're having another drink? Ah, like, oh, like he's here. Like stalker vibes. And then, and he, then just he just shows, shows up yeah, just at the table in. like, hello. Hello, I'm Christian I'm, Grey. Like, I'm hello, mysterious. Mom. Yeah, creepy And the mom all is hell. totally fine with it. Like, not even yeah, she's fine like, oh, with it. I'll she's just... like, she's like, oh, isn't Bubbly. he a cute one? Like, Yeah, yeah. Creepy. He gets away with this stuff, and it just doesn't make any sense why. But the only person – this is why I think so the, many red the roommate is, is <laughs> the best character. Because the roommate is the only one who sees all these things and is like, maybe red flag. he's not a good guy. Like, Yeah, and she actually gets angry at him in the book. Yes. She actually calls him out, and she's like, I don't know what you're doing, but you better knock it off. Yeah. I got my eye on you. And she calls him out. And that's the scene in the movie where he shows up. He just shows up in her in her apartment somehow, unannounced, yeah. scares yeah, the hell out right. of her. Yeah, that's right. That happens, too. In the book, at least, when he shows up, she te- she sends him a text like, nice knowing you. And she sends it as a joke. She's like, oh, this will be funny. He freaks out, shows up. He freaks out, shows up at her. But at that point, he does know where she lives because she, like, invited him to her house or something at that point. He drove her home at some point. Yeah, so in that case, he did know where she is. He shows up, though. But he just shows up anyway and lets himself in because she's in her bedroom. In the book, he (laughs) knocks on the door and says, your roommate let because he's with Kate. And Kate's like, you know, fucking the fucking weirdos here. And yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she's like, I'm keeping my eye on you. 
And so, like, at least in the book, she lets him into the house. And then, you know, because Anna's in her room crying or something. I think she's upset about something. She she wasn't you know i don't remember in the what, movie what though dynamic she's was. in the new in the movie place. she comes back from a run yeah she's in the new by apartment herself. she's in the apartment alone yeah. and he just shows up behind her in like through her and just lets door. himself in yeah so he's way she, uh... he's way creepier in the movie somehow yes and <laughs> and yet they still do not address any of it no, they never mentioned the tech that he has. How did he get with in? His company, like, yeah, he just shows up, and like they don't ever address how he's able to do what he can do. Yeah, it's creepy. It's it's creepy, and it's kind of like lazy writing too, where it's like, yeah, we just need him. To, we need this scene to happen, so we're just gonna. Ha- but so but it's gonna happen. They're at the new apartment, so Kate can't be there because she's in Europe. So how's he gonna right. get in? Oh, he just lets himself in. Like, oh, oh okay. But how? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they never go into it. Yeah, I feel like the reason that maybe they didn't go into the whole he has the tech thing is because then if you actually have to verbalize that, it is really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's also very illegal. So I wonder yes. if they just bypassed that completely because they know it's creepy When as they hell. made the movie, they were like, <laughs> we can't have that in here. We can't do that. Yeah. People so will be like, no. So instead they just no. make him just creepily show up and still be stalker yeah. instead. Uh, mm. Which just yeah, comes across as really lazy and really weird because, yeah, how does he show up at all these places without knowing? Yeah, there's not one bar in Portland that he just goes to. Right. Like, how did he find her? Like, at, mm, This mm, tiny mom-and-pop hardware store that she works at, and he just right. shows up there the day after she interviews him. Not even – I think it's right? the same day in the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like later it's... that afternoon. <sighs> it's so bad. It's so bad. So, yeah, that's the thing is that in the in the book, at least we have – Anna's point of view and so these things happen and it gets filled in it gets filled in by her saying like well that's weird or being like it would be weird but I actually wanted to see him right now so this is kind of perfect so like we get at least get something that affirms the fact that she's okay with him being there in that moment in the movie we don't get any of that you just we yeah. get like you know facial expressions and body language and she does seem to be into him being around but the scenes just happen so fast that it's like it really just feels like for a two-hour movie it's like feels really rushed yeah it's yeah it's there's so many aspects about how they kind of play off christian it's like oh he's just aloof and Mm -hmm. mysterious and it's like no he's abusive manipulative and a stalker (laughs) is what he is (laughs) like and they just kind of like play it off oh he's he's mysterious he comes from money he's got a dark secret right and that's how they play it off and it's 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 very similar to to Twilight in that Edward is like Edward just shows up in her bedroom uh, while she's and watches her sleep. At least with that, he's like he's a vampire. He's not human, so at least there's like a magical perspective of that, which it's like you can kind of like wish that away of like, yeah. oh well, he can literally just like he he runs incredibly fast. He's actually supernatural, like still creepy yeah but it makes a little bit more sense yeah. in that context ra- rather than a normal person just shows up in someone's apartment 
you call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> like, no matter even even if you want them there. I don't care like, why are if you, you here? think they're hot. <laughs> yeah, it's like mm-mm. Yeah, yeah mm-mm. I yeah I wanted to talk about the the um the author's intent for this book because I have been in in I guess in so far also the uh, movie the adaptation because that kind of mm-hmm. translates to the adaptation whether they mean it to or not because mm-hmm. I I actually truly feel like this book I can't tell if this book was written solely as to just be a sexy smutty book. Or mm-hmm. if it was written really as a book about being abused and then becoming an abuser. Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Because like, there is so much in this book that lends itself to the to that second part. Absolutely. It's it, it strays a little bit too dangerously into the he's into BDSM because he didn't get enough love as a child. You know, he's into be he's into hurting women yep. because he was hurt as a as a fifteen year old. Mm-hmm. It strays very dangerously into that, purposefully or otherwise, I'm not sure. But that's what I've been trying to figure out, like, since I finished the book and then since I watched the movie. What was the intent? What was E.L. James's intent when writing this book? Because I feel like that would make a huge difference as to how I think about yeah. this book and totally. and how we should all think about this book. But I, I don't know. And I, I guess I could tweet at E.L. James. And, and ask, what was the point? <laughs> were you just trying to make a, like a sexy book or were you actually trying to like talk a, about something that yeah. this man, the dangers of, like I was saying earlier, if you had the book that was just about a character drama between an abu- a, a man who was abused physically and sexually as a, as a child and, and as an adolescent, and then now who comes into contact with a person with a person who, who has not, not had any world. of that. And now you have this dynamic between the two of them where she's trying to fix him, you know, in that trope. And yep. he is unwilling or unable to to get out of of this mindset. Well, he's, he's not in. addressing yeah, he's not addressing any of his trauma. And his way of quote unquote addressing the trauma is to be in a be loosely bdsm relationship right and that's not dealing with your trauma that is completely ignoring your trauma and using something that could be a beautiful outlet as an excuse to just be self-deprecating and uh, aggressive to other people right like that's not healthy and i mean that's not to say that that doesn't happen right like it could happen if people are not addressing their issues and then they latch on to a concept like BDSM and then they use that again as an excuse to be harsh to themselves to others that's an, I, for me I don't think that that was the purpose of this book I think I think so I too I want to believe it could be but I don't think it was I think that this is just lazy writing not doing research on what it actually means to be part of the BDSM culture right. and also not like introducing a dramatic past to rationalize why he is the way he is instead of actually I think like you framing it in a sense of he is not dealing with his demons and then cue rationally normal person right. and what the dynamic how it would shake out I think that would be a much more fascinating story honestly watching the two of them struggle with the fact that they both they just obviously each other. want to be in a relationship together but just cannot seem mm-hmm. to make it work 
Well, and it's like sexual attraction is not enough for relationships to work. Right. It's part of it. And sometimes it doesn't have to be. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes people don't, like asexual people can be attracted to somebody and never want any sort of sexual contact. Right. It's a thing. It can happen. But it's not enough. It's like, oh, well, the sex is so great, so we don't have to listen or pay attention to any of the other red flags that are going on in this relationship. Like, he's mentally abusive. He's not listening to her needs. She is not submissive. She is using him as an excuse to not have to make decisions. Right. Like, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on in that relationship. And the sex is not enough, nor should it be enough, to rationalize them being a, a, a quote unquote couple right the end of the book is the exact outcome you would expect and i will say yeah, i truly it think crashes that and burns. It's the, it is the only way this book should have ended and so i am happy yes. with that yes it just doesn't work but the reason that the book gives and the movie is especially worse at this in my opinion is that it shows it paints her as completely the victim and that he is yeah. He is ha- a totally at fault, and he's a monster for being into BDSM. And yeah, it's so it's so upsetting because it's like God, you really almost nailed the landing, and then you just kind of stumbled, you know. And it's like mm-hmm. you were so close to being like that. This could have been a book about this is my first relationship ever, and I just so happened to get into a relationship with someone with extreme trauma that they haven't dealt with. Yeah. And what that's yeah, like. Yeah, not even the to... BDSM factor. Yeah. We're not even talking the BDSM factor. We're talking legitimate sexual and mental trauma. Yeah. And then you get to the ending, and it's like you undo any of the possibility of that by making it about how, well, actually, it's just about the fact the BDSM, that's what makes him a monster. Or he's into yeah. it because... He has all of this trauma. And it's like, oh, you were so close. And the movie, though, the thing is, though, is the movie doesn't get close at all. The movie never approaches that at all and then completely just falls on its face at the end uh, of having it. The sad music, her run, it's raining. She runs into the car. She's crying. She's like, you're a don't touch me. You're a monster. And then he looks genuinely like hurt because, of course. Well, yeah. He actually, w- I mean, that's devastating to be like, your your greatest fear has just been verbalized yeah. to somebody that you have never felt this way about right. before. And that's what, she, that's what she ends up, like, she sees your true colors, yeah. essentially. And of course you would be devastated. She literally tells like him to show her his true self and then she sees it and then she says, you're a monster. Hates it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh God, dude, like- that's his version of vulnerability, and then she just throws it back in his face. That is why I think that I like I liked Anna more in the book, but I I sympathized more with Anna in the book, and I but I sympathize because again it's from her perspective. It's all from her perspective, so but I sympathize with Christian Grey more in the movie. Yeah, totally. Because especially because of that last scene where it's like mm-hmm. he actually truly was really invest like you said invested into this relationship far more than he had ever been in any of his previous like in the in they don't talk about it in the movie but in the book they constantly he's saying like this is a, this is another first for me like yeah, i have never changing me i yeah i have never slept in the same bed as, as someone else uh i have never been like on like a date like a romantic date with with someone else mm-hmm. what are some other things like 
He's never brought anybody home to, to his, see his, his family. Yes, like, they've th- yeah, his family is completely deal. surprised because they like have never seen him with a, with anyone. Yeah. Yes, there's a whole bunch of things that he is has doing for the first time, and he is surprised at the fact that he likes that he's doing them. Um, that he's willing. That to he's do it. willing to do yeah. these things with her, but then the the whole relationship really is sort of like a take 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 from him and then when you get to the final point where she where he, he's like you know there there still is this part of me that you know is into this other thing and she's like okay well then when it's her turn to like you know listen to him she does she listens and or you know takes part in this and then she rejects him which is fine for her not to be into it but but it's the way the she does way it. she yeah, does she it. She strings him along and then throws it back in his face. But then, yeah, it's it's like really between the two of them, neither of them are good people. Yes. Like it, it in the relationship, they're, yes. they're good people. Maybe aside from each other, if they're not talking in relationship aspect. Right. But the second that they're together as a you know as a unit, they are not good for each no. other. They are not good f- around each other, and it's not healthy on right. any sort of dynamic. And it's like she she takes advantage of him willing to wait for her and she's not verbalizing her concerns within the relationship. And he is not reading the signs and trying to be a responsible, more advanced partner in the relationship right. to make sure that she is okay. And he's he's also like giving her ultimatums and like there's there's just yeah. so many things between the two of them that it's just not functional. And he's not being consistent. No. Yeah, it's all over yeah. the place. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean God, that's the thing. It's so there is there is a good story buried somewhere in this book. Like <laughs> that is desperate yeah. to get out. Yeah. And it just can't. It just and, can't get out. Yeah. And funnily enough, uh none of the things that we've been talking about that would make it good had anything to do with the sex scenes. No. This book did not <laughs> need to be end. a sex book. Yeah. Except the very end. Uh-huh. Yes. Literally, yeah. except the very end. That's the only one that matters. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, I just I don't know what else to say about that except it's dysfunctional in all the wrong ways. Yeah, <laughs> all, I'm just really glad there's two things that I that that he says in the book that and only one that he says in the movie. There's the part where they first they go for their co- they have that photo shoot and they go for the coffee, and then he's telling mm-hmm. her he's like I can't be there. I'm I'm a dark knight. I can't you know. She's like, but, and I, he said it, what? and I just rolled my eyes. And then yeah. <laughs> they luckily did not say that in the, in the movie. I was waiting for it. I was ready for I them know. to say it, so and they didn't say it. And I was thank God. Um, but then the other thing that they did say was, uh, he says that he's Fifty Shades of Fucked Up. Yeah, he says that a lot in the. It's book. such a stupid line too, but like I hate at it. the same time, it's like honestly, he has some self awareness a little bit about that yeah. there's something there i think he is aware that something is wrong that he so he is not addressing something not that there's something wrong with him yes. necessarily but that he is not addressing some problem within himself well i don't i don't know like i i see where you're going with that but i think that him saying oh i'm 50 shades of fucked up 50 shades of messed up whatever he has variants in the yeah. book of 50 shades of blank that that demonstrate that he is disturbed i yeah. guess that's just an excuse. I guess that's true. I mean, true. it's 
it's it's an excuse for him to be like, oh, well, I've got a dark past. I've got a yeah. secret and I'm damaged goods. So, so no. that's why I am the way I am. And there's nothing you can do right. about it. That's not it. Like, yes, he's admitting he has demons, but he's not following through with the fact right. that I need help to work through my damage. And I'm not doing that because my my scapegoat is, oh, well, I'm into BDSM because what else is there for me to right. do because I'm so broken? He's Yeah. And that's not dealing with it. That's escapism. Just excusing <laughs> like, it, yeah. Yeah. It's just It just kind of wipes it clean. It's like, oh, well, you know, I can't help myself because I'm broken. Right. So what can you do? Right. And and she- That's not- Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and offers her no real option for- to help him no you can't fix yourself from that it's not even her responsibility either like no it is not the being in a relationship does not mean you are a therapist to your partner and you (laughs) and like it's not how that works as much as you would like to be you you can't be because yeah you're not objective you're too involved yeah you're too close to it you're too close Mm -hmm. to give unbiased advice and they're too close to accept unbiased advice from you Right. And so right. you need someone who it's, it's like too mixed up. Yeah. Like, okay, tell me all tell me tell me everything and then I'll listen to it. Yeah. And then I'll tell you my my thoughts. And uh, you know, they are a mm-hmm. professional and they sh- you know, not on you know, to be said, people have plenty of people have had terrible uh experiences with uh therapists and you know, not Yeah. But that's not to say that therapy is not important. Exactly. It, it, it just because <laughs> it is important for everyone. If you have a bad experience with one therapist, then you just need to find a new one and and find a new one, find a better one. Yeah, that's all it is. And maybe even you know treat your therapists with kindness. They need kindness night right now. It is rough out there I was for therapists. Say, Kevin, I'm looking at you, kid. <laughs> keeping it together, Peter. I don't know, if Peter, if you've listened to this, but yeah, uh, Peter, Peter, and Kevin, you are. Saints, we don't deserve you. Your work is amazing. You're, keep, you're keeping and us all together. Treat, yeah, yeah. And treat yourself to a little love and kindness and treat your therapist with respect because they need it. Yeah. <laughs> God bless. And don't treat your significant other as your therapist. They are not your therapist, they can't. folks. As much as they want to be, they you, can't do it. That's not responsible. Yeah, be responsible. Don't make your partner responsible for your well-being 24 7 it's not fair to either of you it just puts stress and that's the thing is like it just puts (laughs) stress on the relationship which is exactly what we see in this book it just completely demolishes their relationship if you would even really call it that i mean what is this book this book takes place in like what like a month it's a very short period of time yeah too short too Too short short, to be honest with you what do they say the 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 candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long yep that's literally what this is, and it's it is, woof. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. But yeah, I think I think kind of sorry, full circle. Yes. Going back to your point of like, is this the intent of E.L. James? I I wish with the very core of myself that I wish that that was the the, the yeah. takeaway because that would have been intriguing yeah. and more realistic. But yeah. I don't I don't think so. I think this was meant to be a fun little smutty. Like fantasy, like kind of erotica yeah. fantasy novel, of just like, ooh, wouldn't it be fun if you know the first time you like made love was with a fiery, handsome stranger with a dark past, yeah. and that's that's it. It's top level. Yeah, I unfortunately I that has to be it. Yeah, because 
I know, which is really unfortunate because it had potential to be so much more. I like would love rich. if E.L. James listened to this episode and was like, and then <laughs> tweeted at your podcast saying, "You're wrong. That isn't exactly my intention." I would love. Then I'd want to have a conversation be. with her. I would love to have a conversation with her if that were the case, yeah. because then it's like then we can talk. Until I hear otherwise. I, yeah. disappointment there is a that's all i have there's a school of thought <laughs> called called death of the author and the idea i don't know if you're familiar with this i'm not the idea is that for all intents and purposes when you when a book is published or or a work is published the author of that is effectively dead in that whatever they intended the book to be the movie the whatever the song doesn't matter anymore because now the person interpreting it is the person uh, reading it. The person oh. consuming it is now the one deciding what the it's your what the interpretation is. Now there, I in my opinion, there are Ooh. some problems with that. I think okay. in that I th- I think that the uh, I personally do think that the author's intent is important to be considered, especially in something like this where it's like. It could drastically change yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> if I get offended by something because I think that the the person who said it meant it in a certain way, but it turns out maybe I just misinterpreted what they meant, some of the fault lies with me. Yeah. Now, not to say that I should feel ashamed because plenty of times people have, you know, misinterpret or misunderstand things people say, people, people write. Right. Because um, each to his own. Because, yes, because we all have our own set of experiences that uh, that color how we think about things. But mm-hmm. I do think that if she truly meant to say this uh, in this way, I do think that would be important to to know. But I do know that there is something to be said about, well, does it necessarily matter if she meant it one way or another, if that is kind of what we if that's, if that's kind of what we gleaned from it anyway mm-hmm. and i and i think there's a lot of uh a lot of discussion as to uh which you know which way people fall on that but uh yeah that's a fascinating concept i feel like that is very applicable right now with like um jk rowling and yes like her stance currently on the transgendered community versus a lot of readers of her work are part of the transgender community yeah and so that's kind of, you know, at this point, I've had this conversation actually many times with other friends that at this point, any sort of Harry Potter stuff, I'm not buying any more merch or anything because I know that would support J.K. Rowling and I don't approve of that. Right. But at the same time, I still love the Harry Potter universe right. because at this point, it belongs to the readers and the experiences and the memories and the kind of thought provoking experiences that you've had right. with that universe. It's yours. No matter what the author intended, that's what you gained from right. that. And that's kind of where I feel with people who like, you know, oh, well, the author is not aligned with what I believe, but I can still appreciate the work right. as a work. There are plenty of people look at the author. who are good artists and are bad people. Yeah. We were just talking about meatloaf. Meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, that, God, it's really unfortunate. And it's like, it's the same I with know. like um, H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft was a yep. terrible. Incredible writer. Horrible he human being. He was very racist. <laughs> he was very xenophobic, uh, which oh which is probably what allowed him to to write the way he did, unfortunately. Many of his works are very well done. He was a very good writer. Yeah. Uh, but I know yeah. that he was not a good person. Uh, now, I guess I don't, know per- yeah. I don't know personally, but I have heard that he was not a very good person. 
historically speaking, yeah. does not sound like a great guy. He probably yeah. fit in for the time he was alive. So I guess there's that for him. But Not an excuse, yeah. but yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I that's a fascinating concept. It's I, something I to like consider. That. I see where that could get. Yeah, I can see where that could kind of get a little weird, especially if the author is still alive yes. and can kind of like defend themselves. Yes. But when you've got works like H.P. Lovecraft, where he has been deceased for quite some yeah. time, Edgar Allan Poe, obviously you know? every yeah. Ed, yeah, it's like really big authors where they are no longer alive, so everything is up for interpretation to the mm-hmm. reader because there is nothing else to reference at this yep. point. You can look at context clues, historical things around the time of when the author right. was alive, but. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, other than that, you can't ask their opinion. Right. And also, if you go diving into like what other people's kind of historical accounts or, you know, their revelations with the piece, again, that's all from some other person's opinion right. that doesn't have anything to do with the author. That's their opinion, their op ed. So it's, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I like Just something that. To that's think very about. cool. I think about it every once in a while yeah. when I'm reading or watching something. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. Well, any final oh, thoughts um, before we sign off? I w- uh, yes, actually. Uh, this was this was at least for you know. To, to, I ragged on the sex scenes quite a bit in this as as not being very good. <laughs> but I will say, uh, if if anyone is familiar with the men writing women trope, of the joke. Um, I say it's a joke, but <laughs> like the Reddit. Threads. It's not a joke. It's real, but it's. Um, it's real. The idea, yeah, like how men write women, and it's like just doesn't make any sense. It's and they use these really accurate. weird <laughs> ways to describe the female body. Um, I will say, it's I will so give E.L. James credit for this. That this, in my opinion, did not fall. And I mean, obviously, she is a woman, and so it she has a little bit more of a of a better say on how w- women are experience um, sexual experiences but i will yeah. say that the, the, there was not really a point in this where i was just like oh god like why would you why would you say it that way it, it was just <laughs> like okay let's just get on to the next part because uh, i don't care about this like i i yeah, so i will give her agreed. credit in, in that regard that i there was never a point tastefully written. yes i would say yeah. that it was it was not bad it was not bad in that regard agreed Man, if you guys still have not seen any sort of threads of men writing female erotica, oh my god, look it up. There, it's really good. Horrible and awful, and so funny and just painful yeah. to read. It is kind of amazing. It's it's a good <laughs> it's horrible. a good way to spend an afternoon. <laughs> it's a a good way to get a giggle slash facepalm. Yeah. Oh man, there's some uh there's some crazy ones out there. Uh, I will say. All right, well. I think we will come to a close. We've ragged on E.L. James enough, I think. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining me yet again for part two. For part two. This is a lovely extra deep dive. Yes. A little extra. I really actually was excited to talk about this. Uh, Yes. I was too, weirdly enough. Um, And I will say, you know, I, I just realized I never said this. It was better than I thought. Yes, it, would be. it was. I will say that. Like I was going in expecting it to be awful, and it actually surprised me in that regard. Yeah. I will say. I just realized I never said that, but I don't think it was good. No. But it wasn't nearly. I've read worse. Yes. Books. I will say. Yes. Um, I was very surprised by that. Actually, I I went in very much judgmental and was like on my high horse, I'm like this is gonna be so god awful, right. and I was actually surprised 
surprised of it wasn't nearly as grotesque right <laughs> as i thought it would be i will say um well what are you uh let's highlight what are you reading what are you doing yes what's, what's on your um, mind i am still i i think the last time i was talking about being in between two books and i have now decided uh for american psycho um is is, hey, is my reading yes i also wanted to make one little note in that the name of the first chapter is uh, April Fools, which is really funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> just a weird yes! coincidence. That is a weird coincidence. So yes, that is what I am. I am in the process of reading right now. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That is a good one. That is a really good one. Also, I totally forgot to mention. Uh, we're recording this on March sixth. Um, but tomorrow. March 7th is actually E.L. James's birthday. That's right. Yeah, we almost recorded this on <laughs> E.L. James's birthday. I know. I thought that was so funny that we just kind of randomly found that out today as we were about ready so, to record. Uh, so almost yeah. happy birthday to E.L. James. Happy birthday to E.L. James. welcome. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> that was so funny, that realization. All right. Well... Thank you again, Mr. Daniel. Yes, Always a pleasure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the, to our listeners, thank you for sticking it out with us for that part two. And we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Laters, baby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And shut, 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 sh